Welcome to the Yak Sports Podcast with Joe Deck and Leland McRae. Well, Leland, I know I can't believe I haven't talked to you about this yet, but with Coach Casto retiring, so many milestones that he's near, which I know we're going to talk about, but I think, you know, just looking at what he's done, nine championships, state championships, uh, 10 appearances, he is retiring three wins shy of the all-time win streak, uh, consecutive wins with in the state of Virginia. He has the nation's longest active win streak right now as a head coach. But, you know, 182% of his games, that's amazing. All of that is amazing. But also, I, I know how much he's meant to you as as a football coach and just a leader of, of young men and how much he means to so many other players that have gone through that system like you. Yeah. I, and you know, I'm, I'm not one that needed for him to, you know, be a whole lot more than a football coach. Um, you know, as the player when I was in high school, I didn't need, uh, more than that. And, but I saw it, I saw it from him back then. And this was when I played for him, it was, you know, the first state championship, I was on that team. And then the immediate reaction after that, and I was around the program, obviously on JV before that state championship. So, you know, the, the weight that he carried up there was a lot back then, but still different than what it is, you know, after, you know, nine state championships or even, you know, during these last few, I mean, it's, you know, he was establishing the culture there and, you know, he had done such a good job at that even by, that 99 season when they went undefeated and 10 and 0 and the, you know, that that was like the second or third undefeated regular season the school would ever had. And then they lost in the playoffs that year. And then in 2000, when they go undefeated and then win playoff games and win all the playoff games and win the state championship and have an undefeated complete season, those are the first playoff games ever won there. But going back to that point of, you know, I, I needed, I needed a football coach at that point in my life. And right. Oh, uh, so I, I took that from him, but also learned those life lessons from, from playing football and from his mentality. And, you know, some of those phrases of um, practice doesn't make perfect, perfect practice makes perfect, you know, like that, that kind of mindset that, yeah, you know, you got to practice, but you got to do it the right way. And you got to, you got to take these little steps. I mean, for hours, we'd be bird dogging and, and just taking little steps and just the right angle of foot and staying low. And you do that stuff every day. You spend hours throughout the season on that, especially in August. And is that level of detail and that you, that I carry into my life and, and, you know, that, that aligned for me, you know, I'm, I'm a, one of those people that requires some, you know, things to be symmetrical and things to be right. And, and so I pull that from him. And so, you know, you hear the other lessons that other guys learned and, um, you know, my good friend, uh, Travis, he, he got to play a lot as a sophomore, you know, because he was in a position where there was some injury in front of him. And, uh, we went over to Bath County that year and played a game and, uh, he got to play, he got to start and play. And, um, he probably played more as a sophomore than he did, um, after that. And that was an opportunity for him and the lessons that he took. And we've talked about, you know, I don't, I haven't talked to him since the retirement, but just, you know, these last years we're talking and he was up for the Lord Botetot game. Cause he, that's where he lives now. And uh, we talked about some of that stuff and the lessons and, and, and what Travis learned from him. And it's, it's interesting. Here's a guy that, you know, 
was my best buddy. And I figure he's taking the same thing away. And he starts talking about the lessons he learned and the impact coach Casto had on him. And it's different than me. And it's just, then when you see these other guys when that I played with that really needed more than a football coach and that kind of leadership, and they got that from him. And you've heard about the guys since it's, it's just, it's interesting how you can be that leader and then also understand people's needs and how you can impact them and get the most out of them. So by and far, that is what I look at most with coach Casto is, you know, you know, us in the media and, and, uh, you know, other people in the media and people that, you know, get paid for it. Um, you know, they have a much different relationship with coach Casto than his players do. And so where he's standoffish and, and, um, you know, keeps you where you, <laughs> he wants you uh, on the media side and in, and outside the, anything outside of that football team, he keeps you at arm's length. Um, even though there is such community support and everything, um, you know, it is much different for him. And I, you know, one of my friends jokes about, you know, you always see the, he's like, every year I see the him holding up that trophy and he doesn't even look happy. And, but like, if you play on that team and if you're around them, you do, you do get those smiles and you get those jokes and you get those laughs. You don't, you don't have to be sitting at a dinner table to see that. You just, you, you just gotta be in there and, and around yeah. enough. And, um, and that's, I, I, that's what I think is so interesting about the dynamic of coach Casto is how he really controls that environment and that culture so well. And he's so comfortable in it, you know, and, and I think that's what we've seen these last years with the perfection that has happened these last years is that, pure comfort that's within that program for it it kind of just runs not on its own it just but there's a lot of it that's just running and he's able to impact it in different ways and greater and greater ways as the years go on and that's why there's so much faith that 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 ship can kind of stay afloat here beyond him to a degree at least because you have faith that enough of that culture is going to carry on whoever's leading it and and you know, we'll, we'll find out one day who's going to lead this program next, but you just got to think, you know, this ship's not going to crash immediately. There's, there's this, it's, that seems, you know, just crazy. Now they'll lose eventually. And, and, and that's not going to be because of the new head coach. That's because it's the sport, but um, yeah, I, you know, you just don't, no one's saying Riverhead's going Owen's end next year. That's for sure. Yeah. And, you know, to that point, I guess, I was talking to somebody and they're like, oh, ran off like four there. <laughs> right. Well, just the last point that you had about, you know, what next year has. And we don't know who the coach is. And I, I don't want to speculate on that. And we'll let that happen when it happens. But with with what the team will be and, and the timing of the retirement, because he's because he's at nine and you're and people outside the program and outside the community uh, might sit there and go, oh, man, why not get that 10th? state championship why not stay and break the record and and I think part of it is when he says that doesn't mean anything to him I I don't know if it doesn't mean anything to him but the state championships and the win streak aren't the end-all be-all that's not why he's doing this and so for him if he feels it's the right time to leave I think I understand that and I, I take that at his as his word and at his word because uh, another person I was talking to that's not in the area, but they they just asked the question, you know, oh, is he looking behind him and saying, ooh, cupboard's a little bare? And I was like, no. I was like, no, no I'm not saying, no. I'm not saying. the opposite. I, I wouldn't, <laughs> yeah, I'm not ready to sit there and say definitely going undefeated next year. You know, we'll see what Lord Potatot has. That's the only one on the schedule that I think has a chance to beat Riverheads. But no one in class one's beating him. 
So it's it's not like River Reds isn't going to win state championship next year. So in my mind. So um, personally, and I, I'm not saying whoever is hired is going to be unqualified, but I, you could have a, a mop with a bucket for a head, and I think they win the Class 1 state championship next year because of the my, talent my, they have. My joke to somebody uh, that week, that he, the last week, um, you know, after, after Yak Sports was able to break the news again on Coach Castillo News, uh, I said, hey, just put on your resume, man. Just, you know, put on there. If you hire me after next year, this resume will say, say state championship. Like, <laughs> they're, they're ready to go. I mean, yeah. honestly, when you look at the roster from last year and from this season and for next they're year. They're not losing a whole this, lot. This yeah. was the down year. This yeah. was the year that you weren't sure about. This was the year with well, a little bit less senior talent and a little bit, you know, and you're just not sure. And, uh, you know, on on paper, you would you would say, oh, well, there's a lot of juniors, a lot of sophomores, you know. A lot of younger leadership, you know, you lost a lot of seniors last year. This was apparently the down year. So I, I think they'll be really strong next year. And, yeah, I, I, whoever comes in has a lot to work with. Um, I, yeah, I, I, you know, as playing in the program, I forecast championships a little less than you do. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's hard to argue. And, and a team that's won six straight, how do you just come out of left field and say, oh, yeah, there's no way they're going to win it next year? No, they have a lot of talent on that team, a lot of – Team, a lot of players that have been well coached their entire time, and I have faith they'll continue to be well coached. So, yeah, we'll see what decisions are made and who's put in what positions. But I just have to think it's it's going to be someone that's worthwhile being there. I hope I hope it has some relation to of of what the staff is now or or, or previous or somebody that really understands what Riverheads is. I think that's going to be the best. I think they went on the other side of the state and hired a guy three years ago when I really believe Coach Castillo was, was done, and it didn't work out. It didn't even get to a game. You know, it, it worked a couple months. It yeah. didn't even work in a couple months, and it, it broke apart, and the team was left without a coach, and Coach Castillo had to step back in. I really believe he was done then. I, I talked to him then. I talked to him for an interview for this podcast that I encourage everybody to go back and listen to because I guarantee you if we recorded another one right now, it, it sounds, sounds very like similar. Yeah, uh, He was done, but – he realized the need to step back in when, when there was no head coach there. And so he said, then three years, I mean, he, I mean, this is, this is six cents, you know, <laughs> everybody's wondering things. He said it, he said at the beginning, yeah. beginning of this, it's going to be three years, just like Bruce Willis got shot at the beginning of that movie. Like we all saw it and <laughs> we all heard it and this is what it is. So it, it wasn't that big of a shocker. And um, so, but I think the school, and the people making decisions have to look at how that went last time and have a different plan in their head. I, I don't know that for a fact. I, you know, no, the, the hire hadn't been made, so nothing's a fact. But I would just have to think looking closer to home for the next solution is going to be the answer people are striving for. Sure. And I guess before we get off this, you know, the one thing that – and I, I get why people do it, um, and it's, you know, mostly – other members of media and, you know, Patrick Kite was one and he's a, a friend of the podcast. I'm not saying he's wrong for doing it. It's just for me, I'm like, man, this is You're like the only person that would just start a sentence by saying, I don't think Patrick Kite's wrong. Yeah. Um, <laughs> no, I said I, I well, yeah, Everybody um, else piles on him. Why, sure. Why won't we? <laughs> but when he's saying, you know, oh, is Casto the greatest local coach of all time? And then, of course, it's folks from Stanton will say Hatcher, and folks from Riverhead say Casto, and then it's like this MJ versus LeBron. And to me, it's even worse than the MJ versus LeBron because at least that's the same sport. These are different sports. They're yeah. vastly different eras. And 
so for me, I'm like, uh, I get why we're having the debate because it's the sports thing to do. Um, yeah. But it, it's totally different. And I think, it, one, again, different sports. Two, Casto's done it since 2000 on. Hatcher was well before that. 70s to yeah, yeah. Something, yeah. Well before that. A lot less schools. Um, so, And I'm not saying that's easier. I'm not saying it's easier what Hatcher did. Uh, it's but clear it's just, just different. Those people we're talking about. Yeah, that's, it's that's just different. Yeah, it's just different. And for me, I was just like, I don't know. I mean, Hatcher's the greatest coach in Stanton history. Casto is the greatest coach in Riverhead's history. I, and then you the other the schools team, will have their the yeah the other coach the other schools will have their coaches that are the best in their history and I think you kind of have to leave it at that I, I just yeah I'm not here for making that argument either I mean I I've participated in some you know some of those conversations and I'm gonna be and to be fair to Patrick I think the question he officially raised on Twitter was the Mount who Rushmore who else the goes there yeah um yeah and. And I'll be honest, you know, not being from this area, it's hard for me to go back too far into history. But, I, you know, when I was sitting there thinking, I was like, I don't know. Yeah, I, the I cheerleading coach teams. from Stewart's Draft, who's won all those state championships there, like put her on the Mount Rushmore, I guess. But Yeah, I, I, I think the domination, particularly locally, I think they both stand out. And I think oh, the absolutely. domination across the state, uh, it stands out. And um, so I – I really honestly, my real answer to that is those two are the Mount Rushmore. This ain't four. Like, I, I can't I can't honestly figure out another coach that I'm putting up there with those two guys. I'm not saying there's not other great track and baseball and uh, swimming or whatever we want to talk about coaches that have been out there that have won. But the level of domination, I think, stands out. And I think there's a reason, like, Coach Hatcher's in the Virginia State Hall of Fame and you know, that's where Coach Casto will be the point. Like, yeah. you know, that's that's something there. That that that's the, they're just up there, and and so and that's not disrespecting anybody else. You can have a lot of credit to a lot of other coaches. It's just not it's not the same as what these two coaches have done. Also, in the most popular sports, mm-hmm. you know, basketball and football are the most popular high school sports. So to have that domination on those front page sports, Helps. it does way more. It just does, yeah. and and whether it, it it's right or wrong, it, it does. It it it. it those those sports get people to come watch it that don't have kids in it, and those other sports don't have a whole lot of that. So I, there's a difference. It just right or wrong, it does. But you know, I I, I think that kind of leads into a little bit of the. I, I think what Coach Castro did at Riverheads, I think it, I think his success raised the bar for the entire area for success. There was no state championship in Augusta County before Riverheads did it in the year 2000. Only one team has won one since. Uh, after Riverheads won their second, the next year Buffalo Gap won one. That's the only one that exists in football, you know, in this area, other than Riverheads in, in Augusta County. Yeah, and I you've think, had you've had Stanton and Draft make appearances, but yeah, yeah. But I think raising that bar sure. locally, where they okay, we got you know Riverheads is really winning some games. We got to you know we got to make sure we beat them. That got their their bar risen to where they could compete at the state level. And you know, if Coach Castro doesn't do it, maybe some of these teams do find success. Sure, but when you see all when this area all of a sudden all these teams are running some kind of wing tee and it's after Riverheads has won a lot with it, it's hard to ignore that. You know, it's it's there's a lot of these things that have kind of been you know 
mimicked across the county. And I'm not saying every single team's done it, but um, a lot of, you know, a lot has. And I think there's, there's something to that. And I, I think it's, it's good. And I think Coach Casto's success in football has made other sports at Riverheads play better. You know, sure. there, there wasn't a whole lot of banners on that wall in the gym until football started putting up banners. And then all of a sudden we start seeing some more baseball and soccer. And I'm not saying those banners cannot happen without football success, but I think there has been a mindset at that school of, you know, we're small, but we're still going to win. And there's, you know, uh, uh, the community support behind the sports that it, you can really see with football. I think it, it bleeds over into the other sports and those other sports benefit from that. And I, you know, some of the, no media talking to players has, has carried over to those other teams as well. So it's just hard to ignore. Like when you see that, you, you, you think that some of these other mindset, you, you're using a lot of the guys that play on the football team to play the other guy sports. Like you have to think some of that influence has, has benefited some of those other programs. So I, I think there's a lot of credit to be given to him. And I think a lot of times I skirt past and I let you talk about it when we're on the radio on Friday nights. I let uh, Chip Crable, you know, make their comments. And I, I kind of just let y'all say it because I feel like it's me boasting about myself, you know, my program, the program I'm from. And, you know, it's not my success, but it's something I was a part of. Right. And so I feel weird about doing that because that's part of what Coach Cast, you know, act like you've been there before. You score a touchdown, you hand the football to the referee and you move on. Like that kind of mindset. But I think this is the time to kind of to say what all I've said here, that He's the greatest coach that's coached in this area. He's one of the greatest coaches in the state. The numbers say it themselves. I, you know, I think he's leaving a little bit on the table. Yeah, but I think that's him. I think, sure. you know, that's me believing every time he's told me, you know, we're not worried about next week. We're one game at a time. Our goal is the state championship, but we're going to take care of business one game at a time. You know, we don't care about win streaks. This is this year's team. This isn't last year's team. All that kind of stuff. I think this puts credit to all those, all that somewhat coach speak that we've heard in the past where it minimizes the stuff the media and fans like to talk about. I think this legitimizes what he said then, that he's, he's willing to walk away from this just like he was three years ago. He went 39-0 and 0 sure. since then. Since then, all he's done is win and win three state championships since then. Like, just incredible run that he's had. And I, he's not full of it. That's, that's what's great about this guy is he's not full of it. He's, he's, he's who he is. Right or wrong, whether you like him or not, he is who he is, and he's been darn good at his job and darn good at at, at being a leader of men. And um, it's produced wins. I, there's another phrase. I, I, there's another one that comes out. You know, the winning will take care of itself. When we do all these stuff the right way, the winning will take care of itself. He has lived that. He has done that as a coach. He has coached the right way. He's led these men the right way and done a lot of things that – aren't coaching wins they're coaching how to approach and how to work hard and how to do this and it's all produced all these wins and it, it's it's been a great run and um i i do think they'll stay successful especially in the near term but i, I think they're set up for a while just depending on who they hire or how they pull this thing along and and i'm excited to see that transition but i i'm sad i you know that's that's my home program it's it's been those it's been the Castro norcross hemp show since 2000 when i was on that team on that state championship team and i'm i miss it i'll miss that there's a piece of that not there and um even if it can still feel similar it's not going to be the same so sure i you know i wish i wish it could stay the same forever but i wish that about a lot of things i wish my you know six-year-old could stay six forever but she keeps growing up so yeah it's it's what it is but 
it's been a fun run and, and it'll be fun to talk about, you know, as, as boring as I think it's gotten these last couple of years, like you just, okay, who, who has a chance to challenge Riverheads? I think, you know, now there's more to that conversation in the coming years, maybe not this year, but in the coming years where you, you let that conversation in a little bit more. Yeah, I was going to say, I, I would say definitely not this year um, yeah, not and maybe year. next year. I, that, that, and that's maybe next year. We'll see. It. I don't know. Um, but, well, I, and I, I say this year, next year, as in maybe the year following. Um, but it's, I, I think people are going to, I just hope people appreciated it, I guess, because this is, this is not normal. Um, Casto is a is a legend in this in this area in in the state of Virginia because of the success he had and the amount of championships he won. That's not normal. Uh, look, no one's won five straight state championships. He won six straight. Uh, he's he has put off a level of success that this state has not seen. And I know some people will say, "Well, those are class one and." That doesn't mean as much. That's hard to win six straight. No one's done it. Class one included. No one has won five straight state championships. So that's an accomplishment. And there's been great teams. Yeah, great and, teams. and you know the only thing I can compare it to is the local legend back where I grew up, uh, Walter Barr. You know he he won the only state championship in James Wood High School history in 1970, and he went on to coach at Sharando and coached you know Kelly Washington when he was at high school, and and took him to two state championships and. Lost to Amherst in one and Salem in another, but um, and, and then went to coach at Shepherd and, and had some success there, uh, taking them to their first ever playoff appearance and and so that that's kind of the local equivalent. But he didn't win multiple state championships, and, and so when people hear, you know, I just hope they appreciated it. I know I know Riverheads some fans who or maybe just don't like Riverheads because of the success they had try to poo-poo it saying they're class one well okay you're not and you lose to him every year so I, I don't know what to say other than obviously you're not there at their level and for some of those teams the years they would do it they go to state championship games in class two and I'm like okay well if Riverheads throttles you and you go to a state championship in class two and are in the game what does that say about the class two state champion probably that Riverheads could beat them like, or at least give them a game. It's not because it's not Riverheads isn't winning all these games only because they're in class one. No, no. And that, and that was draft one of those years. I mean, the year Stanton went to the state, uh, state championship, they did beat Riverheads that year. And that's that sure. was kind of the indicator for the, for that team of, oh yeah, they are pretty good. You know, that's, mm-hmm. that's what it's up when you beat Riverheads. Yeah. It's something. That tells you something. And then look at, look at how far they got and they battled Appomattox in that game. Yeah. And, um, and then draft had a tight game in the spring season and they went on to state state championship game battled Appomattox. I mean, that, that shows, you know, the tops of these classes are a lot closer than, you know, at least one and two. Yes. Yeah, I agree. I agree. And, and, and as you get up, it gets harder to make those comparisons. I, you know, class three would, would be tough. And, and, but you know, I, this team is built in a way that they compete and, sure. and they keep showing that. And, I think right now, I think there's a lot of, you know, you want to beat that team. You know, people act like Riverheads never loses. Up until this 50-game win streak, they'd lose here and there. and it, But it would be major new. You know, now they've gone on that not winning. And that's what I always used to say when they lose. Yeah, like, it's not the end of the world. Like, that, that happens. But the streak has been a little different. It's But it just, it's a, 
it's a recipe of what this has been. That's what yeah. it's built to. But it it's just been incredible. Um, and uh, yeah, I, I we could talk about how great this is, and we're gonna have a chance to. I think what's gonna tell the story moving forward is how well this floats without him. And I think, especially initially, I just wouldn't expect a whole lot different. Um, but even like four or five down the years down the road, if Riverheads is still really good, man, that's still a lot of credit to Coach Castle. I know someone else will be racking up the wins, and they should get the wins because that's going to be a tough task to be in those shoes oh, after sure. Coach Castle. Sure. But, so they'll deserve all the credit they get, and every win they get is theirs. But, you know, there's still, you know, when I say the, the baseball team looks pretty good, <laughs> it's got to be a good program, and I relate that to football, there's going to be that similar kind of thing in years to come, and I, I think it's fair. And, uh, you know, they'll name a field or, or something up there. I know it's already the whole Wilkerson track and um, the Dr. Moore field house. Something up there is going to get, co- you know, named for Coach Castro. He'll go to the Hall of Fame. We'll have these opportunities in the future to talk about him. Um, and he's going to deserve all of it. And as much sure. as he puts it off, he deserves it. And he's, he's surrounded himself with great coaches to, to lead him here with Norcross and Hemp and, and other coaches throughout the time that may not have been there that whole stretch, but other great coaches. He's, he's just been a great captain to this program. And uh, they're going to be worse off for it at some point. <laughs> if they needed him to coach till he dies, I think, to, to make it in any other way. But, you know, things change and you got to move on and uh, it'll be interesting. That's for sure. Oh, for sure. But moving from one legend to another, Nick Saban lost in his national championship game against Georgia. Um, I, there's so much to talk about with this game, but let's start off with the most obvious. I think it's uh, painfully obvious now that Georgia threw that SEC championship game so two oh, SEC teams could get in the playoff. If they played like that against Alabama in the SEC championship, we wouldn't be talking about Alabama in the playoff. They'd be out. They played a half? Like Oklahoma that? State would have been in that playoff. And they would have gotten killed by Georgia like in the first yeah, round. Like they, but like you act like the first half that they were great offensively. They were not great offensively. They honestly, struggled yeah. Okay, to be Their serious, did a better job. To be serious now, I think Coach uh, Kirby Smart might have learned his lesson from the first few times, or at least the last few times they've played Alabama, where they come out to those first halves, get a huge lead, and then Saban makes the adjustment. I think I do wonder how much Smart was holding back in that first half to be like, okay, we're going to save it so he doesn't get a whole half to make adjustments. And I'm going to spring it on him in the second half because that offense was different in the second half. I mean, they came out and exploded in the second half. Well, even the opening drive of the second half, like that first drive Georgia had in the second half, I was like, "Uh uh-oh. And they did did well. And, And, you know, hats off to them. I'm glad they won. I'm glad it was somebody other than Alabama to finally win a national championship. But it's... It's a credit. I, I thought he did that with maybe his worst quarterback in the run in Stitson Bennett. I, I don't think he's good. I don't think yeah, that's I a good quarterback. I, think he's, <laughs> I think he's had much better quarterbacks that he didn't win a national championship with. But he did it this time. I, I will say this. The difference is that defense. That defense is yeah. lights yep. out. And yep. they made that Alabama off and the Heisman Trophy winner look like Brad Cornelson was calling plays in the red zone. I mean, <laughs> they took everything away. Yeah. And he's a good. I like. I like. Uh, I like Alabama's quarterback. I actually do like him. I haven't liked all their quarterbacks. I like this one. Uh, he didn't look great last night, but he's looked great a lot of. He's looked very good in a lot of other games. Um, there's been some other moments, but I, I generally do like him. 
Uh, Georgia was this team a couple of years ago. I was big on on this podcast. I think our first year doing the podcast, I was really big on Georgia. Oh, sure. I picked them to win the national championship. I think that was the year they went to lose to Oklahoma in a Rose Bowl, which was a great game. Uh, I think it was a Baker Mayfield Georgia. Um, they didn't lose yeah, that it, game, did they? Uh, I thought they beat Oklahoma. Oh, I guess they they won it and then they lost in the national championship. Mm-hmm. My bad. Yeah, that but was that the year was, they um, pulled. Uh, they made the switch at halftime, yeah, Alabama. That's right. That's right. But Alabama got them then. But, okay, so I'm a little off on them not winning, but they didn't win it. Uh, yeah. That was the year I thought they had it. I thought that was one of their, their strongest year. They were darn close. Um, this was the – I just didn't see it coming this year. I didn't see it coming out of them. But midway through the year, you knew they were for real, and they kept it going. And, um, you know, I picked them in the SEC championship game and then felt stupid. So that's what burnt me. So I picked Alabama in this game. But I wanted Georgia to win because I just don't want Alabama to win. Um, that said, I appreciate I, that it's viral today with Nick Saban in the post game, where his two players are getting kind of beat down by these reporters and really talk about this game and how they lost it. And he keeps them there a second. He just kind of takes the public of how proud he's of them. This game doesn't define them, but he didn't back away from the way, like the game. Like he didn't say this game doesn't matter. He just said, this was one of many games and these we're not here without these guys. Like he owned the loss but still gave those guys a lot of credit and propped them up. Uh, for, for me, who talks a lot of crap on Nick Saban, all the credit in the world. That's, that's, that's how you coach a team. That's how you, you do that. And it's, you know, that's a, a situation with media and stuff that a lot, there's a lot of coaches in this world who don't have to deal with that stage, but he handled that position rightly. And so that mindset is something to teach other coaches. So I'll give Coach Saban that. Um, but the other side of this, though, I felt was really funny was, well, oh, well, this is twice this year that Nick Saban got beat by one of his former coaches with Jimbo Fisher and now Kirby Smart. And I said, well, when the whole SEC is former Nick Saban coaches, eventually it's going to happen. Yeah, it's going to happen. And and this isn't some, you know, rinky dink team they lost to. This is a, the team that was the best team all season long. The only game they lost to was Alabama uh, when Joe jokes around saying they threw it to him. But I, 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 just like the outcome the best that's that's where we get to i just like the outcome i the first half people were complaining that it was what six to nine that was not an exciting first half it wasn't exciting but it was good defensive football and there was a lot Mm -hmm. of strategy and field position so then when somebody did get a 30 yard gain you're like holy crap you know here you go and and i i will say it wasn't exciting but it was good defensive football the and they made the offenses look bad and then you saw what Georgia's offense could do. And we've seen what Alabama's offense can do uh, the last time he's played, what both those offenses did in the college football um, semifinals. So I, I appreciate that game. It was a very dynamic game. I thought it was highly entertaining. Um, everybody wants to trash on the SEC for dominating these playoffs. It ain't their fault. They're the best teams. Get somebody else, you know. Let the Pac-12 build back up, you know, someone from the – Big 12, why don't you get a defense? ACC, maybe, you know, challenge Clemson so they don't fold so easily when they have a bad year. Like, everybody else got to catch up. It's not the SEC's fault that they are the, clearly the top of college football. I know you people want to make arguments about down the list of how good that conference is, but they clearly produce the best teams year after year. What is it, 14 of the 18? I think there's uh, reasons for that. I, it's just, you know, I think there's reasons for that that aren't, strictly speaking, legal um but there's a lot of a lot of it that is and 
I mean, all the players think they got to go to the SEC to to win a national championship. Which uh, I'll get to so, more on that so in a minute. But um, sticking with this game, banning the playoff will help that. Yeah, I'll get. That's what I want to get to in a minute. Um, yeah. But sticking to this game for just a brief second. This was a game where I, I kind of felt like in that first half, it kind of felt like Alabama was in control. Even though they were getting field goals, they were in control, and defensively they were doing great. Um, I think there was one play that was like a big play to Pickens in that first half. And I was like, well, as long as you don't let Pickens take the top off your defense, you're going to be fine. So uh, That's all he had was that one reception. Yeah, and they did a good job taking him away, but then the running game got going for Georgia, and that became a problem for Alabama. And yeah. And I thought, you know, Kirby Smart did a good job to win that game. And, and that defense is full of NFL players at Georgia, and they're they're going to be good. And Kirby Smart's a good coach. He he knows what he's doing there, and he's built Georgia into something they haven't been in a very long time. So good for them. But, yes, now I want to get to the playoff. Um, the other thing Nick Saban said was, and this was before the championship game, but you know, they, we need some kind of national legislation on this NIL because it's, it's you know, going to get out of control or whatever, and it's going to lead to an imbalance of power. And I was like, as opposed to now? Yeah, there already is one. There's an yeah. imbalance of power now. You're just the one in power now. And... Yeah, but... I, I'm sorry. If you think Alabama is doing this 100% on the up and up, you're lying to yourself. Like... Alabama has been able to build this because this, the teams in the SEC have boosters that are willing to say, you know what, we just want to win a national championship, we don't care, and we just won't get caught. Like, we're just going to be better honestly, at hiding it. And I would maybe make the argument it's probably cleaner now than it has been. It's cleaner I now because it's, because it's out in the up, open. Yes, mowed, it's out in the open. The now they can just sit on the top and play a lot cleaner. I think Duke basketball, I relate that to Duke basketball all the time. I think at one point Duke was dirty as, as could be. And now I think they run it clean as week because everybody thinks they got to go there. I think that's what Alabama is now. But I, I think I think the the money in college football is cleaner than ever too because it's more out in the open. I'm not saying there still isn't some under the table shady shady business going on, but there's less of it because the yeah. NIL can be out in the open. And, and and yes, I do think there there eventually will be rules and regulations that try to come in and try to curtail it some because. Whatever, but to me, the other thing that bothered me right before the championship game, they announced they're not expanding the playoff next year because the conference commissioners couldn't come to an agreement. And you you hear the president, and he said it's frustrating. You have some conferences that are stuck on 12, some that are stuck on 8, and some that are stuck on 4. I would think the sum is one stuck on 4, and I would think it's the SEC. They aren't, actually. They aren't. Who's the one stuck on 4? I don't know, but it's not the SEC. The SEC has been willing, has been willing. The ACC apparently is one of the uh, conferences, that, and Big Ten. ACC and Big Ten are the two conferences causing the most heck in the negotiations. Then they're dumb. That's what I was hearing on fine. Then the today, ACC and Big Ten commissioners are dumb. They hate money. Yes. That is Get that is Take money. Twelve and go. That is money. Take the money and run. It's what you did to get the college football playoff. Do it again. I, they're the only ones that don't understand this. Oh, well, you know, our games won't matter. Your games don't matter now. Hey, ACC, when Clemson had their second loss this year, the rest of the ACC schedule did not matter. All those games were just white noise. Your, your conference doesn't matter. Wake Forest for a split second mattered, and then they lost to North Carolina. 
Big Ten, you just saw what happens to your best team. You'll get a team in the playoff, and they'll get steamrolled. You don't matter. We act like Ohio State has never won a national championship. They have. It's been a long time. And you had to have Urban Meyer, who, by the way, after he leaves, all kind. speaking of dirty business, that's <laughs> not even that well hidden because it comes out as soon as he leaves. It's like, yeah. oh, wow, look at all the stuff that was happening here. Yikes. Yep. It's just I, I don't understand why they won't expand. I, whoever's stuck on four, just vote them out of I don't. I vote them out of the playoff. Don't let them in. Say, fine, okay, we're going to expand. You don't have to be a part of it then. You go play, uh, you know, the Big Ten and the ACC can go play each other for the Tiddlywink Championship, and we'll let everybody else play in the college football playoff. The interview I heard, I didn't see hear anybody talking about four, but it was eight and 12 was the big big problem. I I understand the SEC saying we don't want eight. I get, I get their reasoning for that because they're going to fill up. <laughs> they want as many teams as they can, and eight's going to limit them. Um, I, I, I get SEC thinking that 12 is just better. I, and I, I like the idea that the top four teams can have a little bit of an advantage that have that by uh game, you know, one round where they're not right. playing. I, I think that's worth something. I like that in a, in a football situation where you can only play so many games. I like if a team has established themselves in the top four, and I know we'll argue about who's four and who's five. We have that now. But I like that there's there's some advantage there to finishing at the top, the, the top of the top. And well, I, and you should here's the other thing with that, right? Like, I think you would. I think at that point, even if it's 12, whether it's eight or 12, I, I don't see them doing more automatic qualifiers than the power five and a G, G5, um, one G5. Yeah. I think that's whether it's eight or six, eight or 12. I think that's how that goes. And yeah. so then if it's 12 and you have the buys, I think it's the, the top four ranked conference champions get the buy. And then the at-larges are seated seven through whatever. Yeah, that was that was that one version we saw. I like that. I, I like that. I, okay. And, and I'm fine with that. And, and then you're Pac-12 champion. If you're pretty good, you're going to you're gonna have that advantage. I think that's fair. And you're not going to have two SEC teams buys. I, I'm good. I'm very good with that. And, and so – that way, your regular season still matters. Winning a conference championship gives you the potential to win a bye. Or if you're in, you know, the Pac-12 or the ACC in a year where Clemson's not going undefeated, then winning the conference gets you in a playoff. That matters. And but like we both have said, that okay, the first two or three years of this playoff, what you're saying is probably exactly right. But I think on into that playoff, it's going to spread this talent out because you're yes. going to have faith that you can go to the Pac-12 and win a state, uh, win a national championship. You can go to the ACC and have your chance to win a national championship. So then I think we're going to have two potential ACC teams. It's not just going to be the Clemson show. I think we'll have a chance to have more than that. I, you know, it'll be Ohio State and one or two other teams that really have a good shot. The Pac-12 will be giving us USC and Oregon um, or another team sliding Utah. in one of those spots. You know, you're going to have – well, Oklahoma's going out. I don't know what the Big 12 is going to do, but, you know, like, I like Cincinnati. That. I think it's going to spread the talent back out. And Oklahoma um, State. It's going to be good for the sport. I, I don't think it's good for the sport, what we have right now. I think there's been a lot of changes that have hurt this sport. I don't like how dominant the SEC has been for a long time, even before the college football playoff, how dominant the SEC was. This isn't just the CFP problem. This is just what it's built to. Right. I, I think it's good to spread this talent out. I don't like this December – uh, signing day. I don't like the how the NIL is right now. I think they need to clean some of this up and and give it a chance to spread the wealth 
and in more more sense than one. And I think it'll be good for the sport. This is my favorite sport. I, I, you know, I always talk about baseball. This, no, college football is my favorite sport with my favorite team. I would give anything for my favorite team to win a national championship. That's Virginia Tech football. I would sacrifice Steeler playoffs because they do that every year. I would sacrifice baseball. I, I just, if Virginia Tech could just win a national championship, I would have all my other teams just be terrible because it's my favorite, my favorite team to follow and cheer for. And so it means that much to me. And it's, that's my favorite sport. I sit there and watch all these playoff games and I watch these bowl games. I, I at this age with the who's in my house, I, I don't watch a lot of these other sports when it's not something I care about. I just don't have the time to, but college football, I make the time. I, I do spend those Saturdays melted in it. I, but so I just want the sport as good as it can be. And it's not what it, that's not what it is right now. Well, and it's the not, thing, and I, I sent something to you today because they released the viewership numbers on the game and, that number's going down. Yeah. And, and it's partially because of the dominance. I know the SEC fans love it. Oh, we're so good. We dominate everybody. That's why we're the best. And that's why everyone respects us and blah, blah, blah. That's fine. You're running into the same problem UConn women did. When UConn women, it, you didn't have to know anything about women's basketball. When that bracket came out, you could just pencil UConn as the national champion and it, you'd be right. Yep. You didn't have to watch a single tip or a single shot go in in women's basketball it hurts the sport it's great for them it builds a legend and a myth mythology around them but it's it and it's not their fault but it hurts the sport right it's happening now with college football it's becoming super regionalized if you're not in the sec you don't have a chance and really to be honest if your name's not alabama or georgia right now you don't have much of a chance maybe if you're florida and you can figure it out with the right coach and maybe texas a&m gets better with jimbo fisher but that's about it and and, and once in a blue moon, somebody like LSU steps up and wins one, or Auburn. But but that's the thing. We're listing off these other teams. These other conferences can only give us just Clemson or just, just Ohio, Ohio State. State. And uh, it's and super regionalized. Crazy, and then they get blown out of the, out of the game. Yeah. yeah, it's super regionalized. And that's not a, a successful business model for college football. They need, uh, for the life of me, the conference commissioners who voted to keep the college playoff the same, or they couldn't at least get down in a room and say, can we get eight, and we'll talk about 12 in two years? Don't understand. Don't understand it. It's not that, – that's a terrible, terrible decision. And it's only going to create more of this. Well, where they did expand the playoffs is in the NFL. And this is the second year of having seven teams – and my Steelers slipped on into that seventh spot by by way of a Jaguars win, by way of, you know, Oakland or not uh, 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 Las Vegas and um, both these teams have moved Las Vegas and L.A. The Chargers and the Raiders. Let's let's go with that. Neither of them wanting to both be in the playoffs, but you know the Raiders just hogged it for themselves. The Steelers slip in. Well, I, I mean, you say that a month ago. A month ago, I wrote them off for dead. Last week, I said they had no chance. And, and then, you know, we see well, they, they have a chance. But I was like, oh, the Jaguars got to beat the Colts. That, so that will never happen. I, I missed watching NFL action Sunday afternoon. I watched a little bit of Saturday night. I was coaching up the, the, uh, the little black team and girls basketball for Riverheads on sa- Sunday afternoon. So I got home to just magnificent news that the Jaguars had won and the Steelers had their chance. But then I stayed up late <laughs> watching that Raiders game. And uh, just rooting for 
at some point scoring and other points, no scoring, not really staying with one team. I just wanted the game. Yeah, someone to win. And it went to overtime and the very end of overtime before I got my way. I was very nervous. And you got your way because the Chargers coach is an idiot. He made a weird, weird time. He called a timeout to put in his best run package. Well, guess what? Your not best run package held the Raiders to three yards on two plays. Maybe you leave the guys who are doing good in. Justin Fuente right. Jr. That's exactly him explaining that in the post game. I was like, this is Justin Fuente. Like, yeah. Calling a timeout when it's absolutely the dumbest thing in the world to do. And then trying to justify it as like, well, we wanted to make sure we had the right package in. Well, obviously, you put the wrong package in. You idiot. The Chargers are sitting there <laughs> milking the clock, saying, you know what? We don't want to risk a block field goal here. Let's just run this thing out. We're in the playoffs. They're in the playoffs. High fives all around. And the Chargers coach goes, nope, time out. Let me make sure I have my 11 best run stoppers in. Could have fooled me. You might as well had the 11 people standing outside the stadium in because they would have had about as much success. The Raiders would have scored a touchdown. That would have been the only difference. But offensive. You don't go to the playoffs either way. But It was so stupid. Honestly, the Chargers should have fired him right there. He should have been fired on Monday. They should have said they should have looked at him and said, "You're an idiot. Goodbye." We'll go get Flores from Miami. That's fine. <laughs> Honestly, Flores would be better. I, I don't now. Flores, maybe you don't let him pick who the offensive coordinator is, but I can't believe the Dolphins fired him. I don't know what that was about. There seems to be a lot of problems between him and the ownership on a myriad of issues. Oh, but okay. To be fair on the Flores thing, we only hear about this stuff after, you know, these media guys are in there and here and, and all. Yeah. Sudden, and then, and then here's the GM probably just dumping. Oh yeah. We didn't get along here. You know, you remember that or the right people are dropping the information. I, I, I put less faith in that. I, it took me a day to realize that, but it, I put less credit into that. I, if I'm another team i'm eager to hire him if i am absolutely bears i go hire Mm, him i would not if i'm the chicago bears he did not have good offenses and and if you're the chicago bears that's your problem now you don't need another guy with that same issue i would hire him if i'm a team that has a pretty good offense but a horrendous defense i.e the chargers i would hire brian flores I was impressed with Herbert. Like, kind of transition back to that game a little bit. Like, Herbert was great. I know they lost that game, but I watched him just tear up fourth downs. It just come up clutch time after time. He had good stats on the game too. I that they, he's good between him and Burrow. I, I the NFL should be excited about those those quarterbacks. Sure, and here's here's the other thing, right? Lost Eli Manning not too long ago. Like, you had this core of quarterbacks that are gone and. You know, and I think I think we're seeing this next generation. Uh, uh, the one that was in San Diego, and then at the Colts uh, with all the kids. Philip you know, Rivers. Like, yeah, that that O three class is gone. Yeah. You know, now after this year, and so I, but I think we see the the future of like we're going to see a lot of good games with from the Chargers and from the Bengals, and that's two franchises that haven't had a lot of success. I think the NFL has to be happy about that. Yeah. Um. To go back to the Dolphins for a second, yeah, to go back to the Chargers, uh, the Dolphins, excuse me, for a second, like, one of the things that I saw was like, oh, well, you know, him and Tua didn't get along, and he didn't really buy into Tua. Your owner doesn't buy into Tua. Your owner was openly talking about trading for Deshaun Watson this year. 
that wasn't Brian Flores starting that stuff. That was the owner. So that's a bad excuse in my mind. I I, I don't I didn't get it. I thought it was a bad fire. I thought it I thought it was a bad decision to fire him. I think the Dolphins will end up paying for it. Um, one of the names that floated know, out there is Jim Harbaugh. So uh, I don't know, but the owner's already said he's not going after him because he's a Michigan guy and he wants him to stay in Michigan. Um, they okay. Oh, believe it when we see the it. owner wants to win oh. a Super Bowl. So, <laughs> um, I also though. When I hear the Dolphins complaining about how terrible a franchise they are, it's just hard to live in this area and have all these friends that are uh, Washington football team fans and and listen to these Dolphin fans being like, "Man, it's been it's a tough ride being a Dolphin." Like, your organization is not as big of an embarrassment as this Washington team is. So, you like, say that, but the Washington football team has won a Super Bowl since the Miami Dolphins have. They were like a solid playoff team for the ni- late 90s and 2000s. They had Dan Marino. When did when did And they didn't win a Super Bowl with him. When did the Washington football team have a Dan Marino on their team? Yeah. They've had better I've, quarterback play, but they haven't won a Super Bowl. About the Washington football. Okay. So you've talked about football, football fun. Now let's talk about all the off off the field stuff and and terrible hires and t- terrible firings and you know Schottenheimer that they uh, fired mm-hmm. after an eight season, which was an incredible coaching job and bringing in the old ball coach and Steve Spurrier and all these, that that's roster when they had Dion and Bruce Smith, it was like the best 1993 roster you could get, but it was, you know, 2001, like what? <laughs> I, I don't know. I just, for as much as I've seen out of this Washington football franchise, I just did. I wasn't here for the Dolphins talk. I was like, suffer for another decade and then we'll talk. Ugh. Yeah, um, I would say since Dan Marino, they haven't been very good. Uh, they haven't had a, a quarterback that has meant anything. And I know the Washington football team hasn't had a lot of QBs that are much. I'd say the Washington football team had a little bit of bad luck with RG3 getting hurt. Um, but, yeah, I mean, uh, I'd say both of them, have, it's been a while since they've been consistently good. And so, okay, I, I think – 97 to 2001, they were in the playoffs every year. They only missed the playoffs twice from 1992 to 2001. So the entire 90s, they were pretty darn good. And they've got zero rings to show for it. Okay, but you're well, we're comparing to the football team. Like, why does why is rings relevant when we're talking about these two teams? Because you're talking because that's what we're talking. It's the point of why you play. It's to win a Super Bowl. Okay, but they both, they, either of them have it. So why is that relevant in what you just said? Yeah, Why the year, the year, but God. the year you're stopping, the year you're stopping there on the Dolphins playoff streak, that's the last Washington Super Bowl. The year before that is the Washington Super Bowl. You got to go back to the '70s for a Dolphins Super Bowl. I think stinking for the last thirty years. I, I, I guess yeah. I draw the line at an unfortunate spot. I okay. I think they're both bad. I think the Washington Football Team franchise is worse. I, I think, think they the both one. have bad owners. Like, and I, I think that's what makes them similar. They both have bad ownership groups. I think the Dolphins owner is not, obviously not making great decisions if he's firing Brian Flores. I don't know what he wants from his head coach with some of the players and that roster that's assembled there with the GM. I, I don't know what it's going to take in Washington to fix it. I don't think Ron Rivera is the problem. I think their owner is the problem, but he's not going anywhere. So I, 
I don't know what you want. If if you're watching a football team and you're like, what do we need to do to fix it? I don't know. Time. Eventually, Dan Snyder will not be the owner of the Washington football team. But I think that's going to be because of death. I don't think it's going to be because he's going to sell it. What else in the NFL? Uh, the, the schedule this week, I, you know, they're always going to set up Sunday to be the best. And uh, so you got Tom Brady at 1 o'clock against the Eagles. You got the Cowboys 49ers, which a traditional football fan, that's just – I think that's the best game of the day. I think it's the best game of the weekend. And then you got Patrick Mahomes that night. So, like, Sunday is the the best time to sit down and watch a bunch of football. What? You got the stars and you got the names. I'm just telling you. I mean, okay. What are you shaking your head at? Like, the NFL NFL scheduled it. Yeah, and then you have the Chiefs and Steelers. Great. I'm glad that's the night game because I will not be awake for that. I'll go to bed. You got Tom Brady at one and you got Patrick Mahomes at night. Like that's what they're banking on is the star power. Like what, what star power are we missing from these other games? So I'm just saying in terms of it being a competitive game, I'm not, I'm glad yeah, that's the night game. The I am not going to watch it. I will go to bed. Obviously I'll watch it. I just hope the steel, I hope the chiefs can just go out there and play around like they normally do. And then they, they put our veteran quarterback in a position to have a chance because they do that other weeks. And that was, you know, some of their four losses this season have been, was that I I'm just hoping for something like that. Am I optimistic? That's how it's going to go. No, that's the recipe for how it has to go. The chiefs have to act like this isn't a real football game for the Steelers to win this. If chiefs come out and play good Steelers can't beat them. But so I'm just hoping the Chiefs come out and, and dangle around like they do some other times and, and make it a game. But it very easily could be a 30 point blowout. I, I realize that. But I th- yeah, that's the biggest it. spread of the weekend. And rightfully so. I think that yeah. it's going to be a blowout. Yep. The only uh, chance that there's a bigger blowout is the other team from Pennsylvania that snuck into the playoffs in the Eagles playing the Buccaneers. That could potentially be a bigger blowout than the Steelers Chiefs. Yeah. Well, and that's the two games, the two stars I was talking about on Sunday. I where where do you think the most likely upset comes? That's a road team. All the yeah, forty niners, forty niners and Patriots. I think the three six in both. I think the Patriots could potentially upset the Bills, and I think the forty niners could potentially upset Dallas. Now, I would pick Dallas. You think the Cardinals could upset the Rams? Maybe. I just haven't liked what I've seen from the Cardinals recently. Fair. But it's possible. Yeah. Uh, I just like, I like the Rams in that game. And if you're asking me the two on each side of the bracket, which one, I I think the 49ers have a better chance than the Cardinals. Yeah. I I mean, I'd rather the 49ers win just because I hate the Cowboys, but that's probably why I, I, I kind of like, I don't, I don't mind what the Cardinals are doing in general. I it's, it's interesting. Um, I don't want the Patriots to beat the Bills, so that's not the one I quick to go to over there. I want the Bills to win that. I don't mind the Bills winning football games, so so that's that. I I'd yeah, like to I, see the Raiders beat the Bengals. I also don't think that's impossible. I think the Saturday games are both going to be good games. I think nice. Sunday there is one good game, and it's at four thirty. Yeah, but those networks are still happy with that lineup on Sunday. Or um, the first half, they'll be happy about it. <laughs> the uh, the Steelers, 
they lost to the Chiefs last time, the last two times they played them in these last couple of years. They were both uh, regular season losses. The last time these faced off in the playoffs, the Steelers actually did win back in the 16 season. I guess the calendar actually said 17 when they beat them. So um, I think that was pre-Mahomes. That would make sense to me. Um, the Steelers, the last time they really snuck into the playoffs, well, I mean, not the last time, but another time they really snuck into the playoffs uh, was that uh, year they won in Detroit. I got, what was that, 05? So a lot of people are trying to make that comparison. I, I, if the Chiefs hand you the game, I, then you can start making those comparisons. But I don't want to hear them yet. You, you got to win a game before you start making comparisons that year. This this team's a lot worse than that team. That team had a lot of talent. They had a young quarterback. That's why they had to kind of sneak into the playoffs that year. Um, now we're on the back end of that, and there's not as much talent around him. So uh, I just don't. I I'm not ready for that kind of comparison. Uh, because plus, if the Steelers win, then they're going to have to go play the one seed the next week. So going to be tough, um, but it's been an incredible run. I, I want to take a second to talk about the Steelers here because it feels like this is going to the end of the era here. We, we know Ben, uh, you know, taking it in with the last home game last week and all indications that are, he's retiring. He just hasn't said those words yet. It's been a successful era. And, and as a Ravens fan, you know how, you know, and your, your franchise has been just about as successful, uh, but the Steelers have not had a losing season with Ben when Ben has been in the league. Um, he started his career with a big win streak uh, that took him to a Super Bowl. That, that was it. It was the young quarterback that year. Uh, he was a rookie uh, coming in after an injury in the second game. They've had eight plus wins every single year since then. That's included Cower retiring and now Tomlin um, being there. The only re- the last time they had a losing season was how they got Ben Roethlisberger. So it's just been an incredible run of success that, the last time I think the Steelers finished last in their division was like 1993 or something. 88. And then what was it? 88. 88. Wow. And so, and then the next best team is like the late nineties or something. So like they just, they're such a consistent franchise and you know, that I, I became a fan of them during this stretch of success and without knowing that, that, and that, that run, was a lot shorter at that time. Um, but I really enjoy it. I like that consistent winning um, as much as I would, you know, like championships. It, it's nice they've been able to pair it with championships. I'm glad I'm not cheering for a team that consistently wins, but never can just get over that hump. I'm glad they've been able to produce championships and even, you know, two Super Bowl losses in my, my years of fandom since I, you know, I'd say I became a fan in like 90, 91 ish of the Steelers. So we've had this Cowboys loss. We had the win against the Seahawks. We had the win against the Cardinals and the loss against the Packers. So it's not, it's been a nice fandom, but it, it does feel like this kind of end of an era, but also reminds me of let's go into this new era with Tomlin. Still people always are calling for his job quickly. I, I, I don't get it. He just wins too much. And I mean, he gets the most out of his players time after time. So that's, that's my rant on the Steelers. I've been quiet about them this season. because I don't think they're very good. I'm, if you're going to finish eight and seven, I'd rather you be in the playoffs uh, or whatever they are, nine and seven and one or whatever they are. I'd rather them be in the playoffs than not be in the playoffs as soon as they won eight games. So uh, I'm glad they're in. Yeah. Um, and they're in. And like I said, I, I think the two worst teams in the playoffs are both from Pennsylvania. I think it's them and the Eagles. And uh, yeah, the two seven seeds. Yeah. And I will say this, though, if they beat the Chiefs, I think the titans are a better matchup that's who the one seed is in the afc 
I'm much more scared of the Kansas City Chiefs than I am the Tennessee Titans. That's a pretty fair point. <laughs> uh, so I'm trying to find our our uh, our picks here. I had let's run through this real quick. Let's see. Uh, back on September 7th, we picked the NFC East to be or the NFC North to be won by the Steelers and Ravens. So neither AFC of us were right. North. The AFC North, the AFC East. I picked the Bills. You picked the Bills. We got it right. The South, we both picked the Titans. We got it right. And the West, we both picked the Chiefs. We both got it right. The wild card, you had the Ravens. They're out. I had the – or you had the Browns. I had the Ravens uh, because you had the Ravens winning the division. We both missed that. Mm-hmm. Uh, we both – I had the Patriots in. You did not. So you got that wrong. You I had did. the Chargers in. So you you almost had it right. But then you did have the Steelers. And then that's where I had the Browns. So we're about even in that area. Um, NFC, uh, man, you picked the bears Bears and Packers. You had, you had the Packers. So you were right. Bears were not good. Giants, man, that was a bad one. And you had the football team. We were both deadly wrong. Yep. South. Uh, we both had the bucks. I guess that was right. We both had the Rams. That was right. I had the Packers in here. You had the bears in here. So you were wrong there. You had the Cowboys in there. Here's where I had football team. I had the Cardinals in and you didn't have the Cardinals, but you had the saints in there. So. Um, pretty close. I'd say we, we both had, we both had some embarrassing picks there. I've already lost my Super Bowl, one of my Super Bowl teams. I lost my Super Bowl champion and the NFC champ. Oh, no, I don't. I got the Rams. Yeah, you still got both of your Super Bowl teams. Steelers, so I only have a little glimmer of hope. You had the Bears playing the Chiefs, and uh, so you still got a chance. I've got a chance with the Chiefs. I have no chance with the Bears. I was big on the uh, – Steelers in the preseason, but it was pretty soon in the season. I had given up. I, I just knew it, they didn't have it. It was really early. And, but I think that's the biggest difference between like you were saying in 05 when, when they snuck into the playoffs and then won a Super Bowl. the quarterback play was there in 05. It's not there now. He's, he's got nothing left. No, but like I said, and like these, these last couple of weeks when they beat decent teams uh over this in december when they beat decent teams when they've had their defense back they, their defense has kept them in the game and then there's the end of a game where you have a veteran quarterback who's who's making winning plays giving them a chance to win and that's that's what they've done they haven't required ben to lead them down the field for four quarters they just kept them in the game to say okay man you just got to do it now and he's got it done and so that's my hope and, and that's acknowledging how good the chiefs are and that it's very unlikely if it was another team with the Chiefs' record, I'd probably be pretty pessimistic. I've just seen the Chiefs do this too many times in the playoffs where for like a half they don't play. And 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 they've – it was just a couple weeks ago they had to come back like crazy. Last week, didn't they just have to – they had to come back in the fourth quarter to beat whoever they just played, Denver. I So my, I just – Okay, I'm to I hear you. My only thing is it was three weeks ago when the Kansas City Chiefs beat you like a drum. Oh, yeah, they, they rocked us on Christmas. Yeah, I didn't so, watch any of that. But it was just a couple weeks ago we saw the Patriots beat the Bills in a death match. The difference like, being that the weather was about as terrible as you could script it in the Patriots win, and then when they played again, it was normal weather. I, Are you hoping just, for a, a blizzard in Kansas City? That would help. <laughs> Yes, I am. I don't think it's going to happen. It would help. I don't think it's going to happen. Definitely am. What are you talking about? I no doubt I am. I'm, whatever can slow down the Chiefs, 
I am rooting for that. <laughs> I just, yeah, I, I don't. Every time your team has played a good quarterback, they haven't done well. So I don't have, uh, outside of the one win against Lamar Jackson, um, I don't have a lot of faith in them being able to figure it out in the playoffs for the first time. Yeah. Can't remember what our quarterbacks we've played recently. They just, they closed well, which, I mean, they were having a terrible middle of the season. But okay, so so they lost to, I would say you're not talking about the stretch where they tied the Lions, lost to the Chargers, and lost to the Bengals. So Very. they they beat Lamar Jackson and the Ravens 20-19. to 19. They beat the Vikings 36 to 28. I would not call Kirk Cousins a good quarterback. Actually lost to the Vikings, didn't they? Oh, yeah, they did. Sorry. <laughs> they did. It's since then they pulled off some wins I didn't expect. I didn't they, expect them to beat the Vikings. I didn't expect them okay, to beat the Okay, but Brand. Ryan Tannehill's not a good quarterback. Yeah, no. They're the one seed in the AFC, but yeah, no, no, they're not. They did not beat Patrick Mahomes. They beat uh, Baker Mayfield tape duct tape together player. And they beat the Ravens with Tyler Huntley by three. I just, I don't think, and you lost to Patrick Mahomes in between there. And, and I just don't think you're going to beat Patrick Mahomes. I just don't. I don't, I don't, it's not going to happen. That Bills win to open the season was really the, the, the highlight. That's the one. That's the one where they beat a quarterback that I think is actually legitimate. Although Josh, he hasn't been the same this year, Josh Allen. There, there are moments where he looks amazing, and then there are games where he's up and down. But there are games where you look at Josh Allen and go, what are you doing? But, um, yeah, you lost to the Raiders. You lost to the Bengals. You lost to the Packers. Your wins are against the Broncos, Seahawks, Browns, Bears. None of those teams. Russell Wilson is not Russell Wilson this year. He's beat up. Yep. Denver, I don't know who the quarterback was when you played them, but I know he wasn't good. I Browns, same deal. And the Bears, yeah, Justin Fields isn't good. So you you haven't beaten a good quarterback outside of Lamar Jackson. And I, I don't think Patrick Mahomes, you're going to beat him. You, you've already played him once. It did not go well. It wasn't that long ago. I, the teams haven't drastically changed since then. That'll, I don't. That'll play into the, the mental aspect where they don't think they have to really come out hard against us. That'll I don't think they do, and I think they blow you out either way. I think this is Alabama playing Mercer. I don't think it's going to be a good game. We know the, we know the difference isn't quite that much. <laughs> Not quite that much, but I mean, it's okay. It's, uh, it's when Virginia Tech plays Notre Dame, and you're like, oh, man, I hope we start off well. It may be for the first quarter your players are jumping up and down when the sprinklers are going off, or I guess that was Clemson. Your players are jumping up and down while the sprinklers are going off, and then – the Chiefs will look at you and be like, okay, these guys are annoying. And then they'll they blow you off the face of the earth. The Chiefs do that. You'll start playing sticks. You'll start playing that sticks song, Renegade. And then the Chiefs will be like, cool story, bro. And yeah. knock out Big Ben. And oh, they won't be at home. They'll, they'll be barbecue. Oh, that's the true. They'll be, yeah, that's true. They're, it's going to be a good city. My boss is a uh, Chiefs fan. So I've, I've just been silent this week. <laughs> yeah. Good, good decision. Cause it's not going to go well. I'm hoping for the best. Uh, where I'm also hoping for the best is Tech playing UVA and basketball Wednesday night. Mm. Uh, I we haven't played well lately. 
UVA is not having a spectacular season, but they seem to figure some stuff out lately. So I, I'm just hoping for a little reversal of fortune there, and we go to UVA and we get the win. We've done it before. We've beat them when they're good before. Um, I, I'm not giving up on Mike Young. I know things aren't going the right way. We're down way down the standings. I just hope we start picking up some wins. I, I'd like that to, to reverse, but I'm acknowledging that it, it hasn't gone as well as I was hoping it would this season or as much even as we thought it would after those first first couple weeks. So sure. I, I'm hoping for that. I think you're right. Uh, I haven't given up on him, and I think Virginia Tech will win ACC games eventually. Um, they're not a tournament team this year, so no. I think that's done. Um, but – I will say the next good year thing about the ACC is there's plenty of names to, to beat, to give yourself a chance to get back in that talk. It's just, you got to do it. And uh, so, you know, yeah, weeks, you got to do it. And you kind of need to like, maybe not lose another now. game. Start now. You got to start now. Yeah. And yeah, I, I acknowledge that we're zero and three. Yeah. You, you, you don't want six AC C losses and feel great. You know, so I do, I'm just, my my overall point though was going to like I'm not giving up on Mike Young this year, but next year he needs to be able to field a tournament team. Yeah, he had one last year. Or, yeah, I, it, or I we're gonna we're have to have some tough conversations. We yeah, we're not as good at guard as we thought we'd be, and you see sparks of it, but just not. And, and I'll say this: I I like the talent he's bringing in, uh, in terms of what you see in terms of the names he's in on he doesn't land all of them but it's like okay well we're being mentioned with them that's good he needs to start landing some of these so he can get better the acc is not wofford so eventually like the wofford transfers that's not good enough they can't be starting coach he's just getting started out of um out of the high school in dc that's Damatha. yeah well uh, yeah but that's why i'm saying next year it's got to start it's got to start coming to fruition next year or we're going to have to have some tough conversations where we're like do we need to move on from this yeah i'm, I'm not i'm not ready to imagine that world quite yet so that's fine i'm glad you're there i'm just next year it's that's the world we're living in both suck i got i got you next year that's the world we're living in if he can't if it's if it starts off like this year i'm so glad trevor lawrence won that game on sunday so good Congratulations. Oh. He has one of the worst rookie seasons in put, the NFL. Put me cool in story. the Super Bowl. Or put me in the playoffs, Super Bowl. Put me in the playoffs. I'll take it. He's He oh. threw a touchdown pass in three of his last ten games. Awesome. Who? How is That's VCU what I wanted on my rookie quarterback. How's your VCU women? VCU women are 2-0 and in the A-10. Yeah, they are. They had their first game in 19 days against Duquesne on, what was that, Wednesday last week? That game went into overtime. They ended up surviving overtime, beating Duquesne 75 to 70. And then St. Joe's was a game that we weren't supposed to have until January 23rd. But the game at St. Louis couldn't be played due to COVID. St. Joe's couldn't play George Mason because George Mason had COVID. So St. Joe's just made the trip down 95 to play VCU. And VCU ended up beating them 72 64 in a game that got close toward the end, but was never really in any doubt. VCU kind of dominated that one. Uh, they did not turn the ball over hardly at all in that ball game. They did a really, really good job taking care of the ball, which I thought was one of the best performances from VCU's women in, in that regard. It, well, I think it was the best performance in that regard. Uh, but I think that's what led to that kind of performance. We saw 
Uh, Taya Robinson have 26 points in the game against St. Joe's. That's a career high for her. Uh, she's 10th all time in women, VCU women's. She was already that going into that game, but for her to have a career high against St. Joe's, there's a big, big uh, sign of good things to come. Hopefully Wednesday, they play UMass. That's going to be a big game. UMass is a team that is expected to be near the top of the A-10. So this is a, this is going to be a good barometer to see where they are. Fordham is another team that you're looking at and you're like, okay, this is probably another good team. So this week's a big week for VCU. Uh, both those games at home with UMass and Fordham. So hopefully they find ways to win those and uh, so finish this four-game home streak undefeated. Hmm? We can watch and hear you on both of them. Yes, I will be on ESPN Plus on both of those. Yep. Love it. 6 p.m. on Wednesday. So you can watch ESPN Plus, see VCU, hopefully be able to beat UMass. And then on Saturday, it's a 2 p.m. tip against Fordham. And uh, hopefully they win that one. I was trying to pay more attention to high school basketball this week because there was actually games getting to be played. I was really excited for these Wilson, um, the Wilson gap game. And then on the boys side and the draft gap game on the girls side, both of those got postponed last week. So both the games I was kind of earmarked didn't happen, but this week I picked out these Fort Wilson games and they've already happened. So let's talk about those for a second. We got the Fort boys they lost to the Wilson boys 50 to 45 in a close game. So that gives Wilson their first district win of the season. They hadn't been able to play any of their district games so far. So uh, they're sitting in a good spot there. And that's a nice win over a 14 that had already won a district game and is four or three on the season. So I, th- I like that game early. Um, and then just mentioning the girls, go ahead, go ahead. Talk no, about that. keep going, keep going, keep going. Yeah. On the girls side, uh, I, I like that matchup too. Those are those, those, both those for both boys and girls, obviously uh, both class three teams playing each other there. Um, that three C region and Wilson at Fort for the girls and Fort won the home game there. Uh, so I think it looks like Wilson's a little down in girls basketball this year than what we're used to. They're Owen two to start the district losing into gap and Fort. Uh, but those are two solid teams that we'd expect out of the shit into a district, but also four and six, on the season. So they play TA and Riverheads this week, trying to bounce back with those, with those games. Um, but obviously all around COVID uh, and snow really playing with the schedule. So it's, it's, it's hard to get any kind of flow so far uh, with these games, but uh, it was fun to get those, that rivalry there between Wilson and Fort already in this week. Uh, and then we'll just have to get out in games towards the end of the week. I, you know, I think the weather's good the rest of this during the week any potential snows not till the weekend. So uh, hopefully we get some more district games in this week. Hopefully. Yeah, it would be nice. Uh, I think the weather is not supposed to happen until the weekend. So speaking of the weather, I, this week, this past week, we had those two snow events, the Monday one where, you know, we had eight inches in my house. Um, I took full advantage. I, I got the early call of, Hey, you're not coming into work. Don't worry about it. See you tomorrow. Um, so after I got my driveway cleaned up with some great help from my neighbor, uh, he stuck around and we sled a lot on Monday and that was a lot of fun. And my kids hadn't really had that just long session sledding before, because with the neighbor, with his side-by-side ATV, it made the, uh, walk back up the hill non-existent. It was a ride back up the hill that was fun on its own. So the kids were having fun down and up the hill. Uh, their dad might've been having 
the same kind of fun down and up the hill. So uh, I, it was a great, great time that day with the kids. And then even after the sledding, we kind of relaxed and, um, you know, we watched an old Star Wars movie and uh, it was good. It was a good day. And then the, the later snow, I, I still, that one kind of messed me up more than anything. I was still around the house a lot for that one um, because I just had to get that snow off with the low temperatures, but we sled some there too. So I've, I've, I've had my fun in the snow. We've had the sledding. I've had my enjoyment. And uh, so positive, positive, positive. But I'm done with it now, and I don't want any more. <laughs> yeah, I'm kind of over it too. I'm such a Scrooge on it. I, I we had our experience; it was fun. We took full advantage. Now get out of my way. Don't mess up my little league basketball schedule. Let's let's go. Agreed. I'm over it. Um, do need to make one correction to my VCU talk. I said the game against Fordham uh, Saturday was at two. It's actually at one. So Wednesday, six p.m. against UMass. Watch it. Then you can watch Virginia Tech and UVA play. The men's game on Wednesday. Saturday, you don't need to watch the Buccaneers. Uh, spoiler alert, they beat the Eagles. Instead, watch Fordham and VCU on ESPN Plus uh, on Saturday. about the Buccaneers on Sunday? Well, who plays Saturday? So Saturday doesn't even have a game at 1. What am I talking about? You're right, that is Sunday. Saturday at 1, there's no football. Don't even up. worry about it. <laughs> well, I'm just going to – that's NFL mess up. I don't care about that. Fordham is at 1 o'clock on Saturday, the 15th, when they play VCU. So just be watching that. And then that can lead you into your football Saturday. But what is dominating my life? Uh, I did watch uh, Dope Sick on Hulu. Uh, mm -hmm. That's a series, right? Yep. Uh, It's not uplifting. Yeah. Uh, Is it worth watching? It's good. It's not uplifting. It's it's good though. Um, it'll really make you not have a lot of faith in justice. Yeah. Um, but it's about the uh, Purdue Pharma and OxyContin uh, stuff. So a lot of it filmed in Richmond, Virginia. Uh, but it it the story is about rural Virginia and the Roanoke district uh actually in terms of federal investigations the roanoke district but west southwestern virginia and uh, rural virginia and it's sad it's sad what those communities went through and endured because of that and uh, but it is i think a good show to watch and kind of teaches you a little bit about that you get to see all the crazy rules and laws we have and all the loopholes that can be exposed so that's fun i think it's going to be interesting to see oh oh back on that i watched two episodes of letter kenny yeah what'd you think yeah i i've laughed i love I it it's watching super that. funny yeah i'm not sure i'm bringing it over to i watched it at lunchtime mm-hmm. uh two days in the last two weeks i think i think that's my venue for yeah it. i, think I would agree i think it's a leland show yep. i don't think it's it's a you know don't bring in the wife yeah yeah um, but so I'll talk more about it later once I get deeper into it. Now I'm, I'm going to go slow. So it might be a while. Okay. Uh, what I think is interesting coming up, uh, back on sports is the football team is going to get an actual mascot kind of name. Uh, they're not just going to be the football team anymore and it's not going to be the red wolves, which that reasoning we was so BS though. Yeah, I think so too. But I, 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 we were fans of that, but that's fine. Uh, Everything I'm seeing because they've done a, they're trying to build it up. The, at first, I thought the timing was 
hey, our stands are falling apart. Actually, we're going to have a new name, guys. And it's one of those bait and switches. But they had a lot of, like, uh, PR stuff built. So I actually don't think the timing is as weird um, because they have, you know, Ron Rivera getting the logo and stuff in front of him and his reaction, but no, you can't see it. And then other people looking at, you know, uh, past Redskins, you know, people on the uh, circle. Doug Williams was one of them. Uh, The other guy's escaping me, but yeah. I like the approach. I like how they're doing it. But, you know, in some instances they had it blurred, but then on different venues, like on the cable network, they didn't have something blurred well, or they, they messed it up on a still shot. And then there was a reflection in the window on one of the on the, one of the moving videos of it. And it looks like it's going to be the commanders. So Joe, what do you think about the Washington commanders? If that's what it's going to be? I don't love it, but it is what it is. It's better than the football team. So I, yeah, I didn't want them to leave it as football team. I think some of the football team fans have kind of started to like it. I, I, I want them to have a, a mascot. I, I, this isn't a soccer team. So I, I didn't want that. Uh, the commanders is fine. I, I, I don't actually have any problem with it. Um, it's fine. I, I'm glad that they're not fighting a roller rink team about it. I think that's an advantage that Cleveland. Well, that we know of. I mean, we'll see, <laughs> but they get one real quick, but I think that's what it's going to be. I, I think, you know, when you hear these rumors and you see this, this one seems pretty legit the way it's been explained to me that that's what it's going to be. So I'd be surprised if on groundhog day, we don't find out. It's the commanders. I know a lot of people thinking it was being Groundhog Day. It was going to be the Hogs. I think that would have been cool. I, I think that would have been to tie to the history of them being the fans being the Hogs there. I think that would have been cool. But I don't. it doesn't look like that's what it's going to be. Yeah. My biggest thing with the Red Wolves was like, oh, you know, there were already teams named the Red Wolves. Be like, okay, and? You'll be the most famous one. Yeah. Yeah. That doesn't <laughs> matter. None of them are professional sports teams. So why do you care? Uh but yeah, it's whatever. Um, Do you have any other metropolitan DC, uh, Baltimore news? I do. Okay. Beltway today. Actually, it came out that Camden Yards is going to be backing up left field by as much uh, as thirty feet. Thirty feet in left field. So that's that's, that's kind like of a difference maker. That backs that's going to take a lot of home runs away. Um, I think that's the reason they're doing it. It's really hard to get pitchers to sign there. I think maybe that helps a little bit. Uh, pitchers knowing that the number of home runs will go down drastically at Camden Yards. Uh, I did see some people, you know, say, well, where are those seats going to go? The answer is probably nowhere. Um, you're not selling out Camden Yards unless it's a playoff game. And if we're standing room. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I don't think it's going to be a problem. Um, the problem with baseball stadiums is they're too big. It's not just a Baltimore problem. It's not just a Baltimore problem. It's a, it's an everywhere problem. They're not most regular season games aren't selling out in major league baseball. So I, I, your stadiums are too big. Um, That's like Cincinnati, Philadelphia, Pittsburgh. They all took their, like, you know, for baseball games, mm -hmm. 70 plus, and they turned, they built new stadiums that hold 35 to 45. Like that's, that's what they do in baseball. So yeah, Camden Yards shuffling what? Well, even that's too big. Most, most regular season games, even that's too big. So, yeah, losing yeah. losing how many ever seats it ends up being in left field is not going to end the world. A thousand over there, maybe? I don't know. But uh, it depends on how far back they go, the 30 feet. Because left field is multiple, and it says, you know, some places will be up to 30 feet, others will not be 30 feet, and the fence will be higher in some places than other places. I don't really like that. Uh, uh, 
back and straight have the same yeah, kind of look. I like back and straight, or you know, if you want to angle it back to center field, whatever. But I I do like the height being uniform. I don't like lower in some parts, higher in other spots. They already have that in right field a little bit with the scoreboard. They're uh, gonna be a no, there will probably the pool in Baltimore. Come on, those April games with the pool would have been nice. Hypothermia is a thing, um, <laughs> but yeah, I I'm all for it. It's whatever. In the outfield. How about people like the Marlins have a nightclub out there? How about that? Is that going to really go in Baltimore? No, um, uh, you could probably have a you could probably have a crab shack or something. instead of backing it up thirty feet, just have a hill. Just put a crab shack out there, and you know. Like Serve or, uh, soft shell crabs, blue crabs. A live tank with crabs in it in left field. I'd be in down. Play. I'd be down. Um, but yeah, I, seeing that was kind of uh, it, it was just kind of surprising. And uh, you know, Baltimore's already saying that part of the new lease agreement might be to include city money for the renovations that they want to increase mingling. Um, is how I believe it was put in the press release. So, which means they just want more areas for fans to be able to interact and. It seems buy like stuff. a great time on this earth to just have people mingling. I think it is. A good uh, time. well, but for baseball, that's actually probably what you need to keep your sport somewhat interesting for the general population. Yeah, they don't have an open concourse there, do they? They do not. They want that. So, it's whatever. It'll be fewer seats. Uh, but that's okay. It's it's whatever. Right now, the I wish the Orioles were more focused on, you know, being better. But oh, there's a lockout. You can make decisions and there's on. a lockout, so you can't sign anybody right now, other than the international signing yeah. period that's getting ready to People start. Can only think about one thing at a time. Yeah. With the Orioles, yeah, probably that's probably true. Yeah. I mean, I will say I like uh, Mike Elias, but I mean, the ownership can literally only think about one thing, and it's been money. It's been what they thought about the entire time they've done it. I do want to remind, I know we led off with a lot of local football talk with Coach Castro's retirement, but I want to remind people we will be talking about high school basketball. It, more of it just needs to happen. And yeah. so we'll be talking about it when it's happening. Uh, and so hopefully this week uh, the weather's been, been good and supposed to be good. Hopefully we can get more in. So remind your friends that we're talking about local sports, the sports that you, the Augusta County sports fan, care about. And make sure they are finding us on Podbean, Apple, Google, or Spotify, or following us and interacting with us at Yak Sports Pod on Twitter and Facebook, or yaksportspod at gmail.com is the way to interact with us, or any other way. If you want to interact with us, figure out a way and do it. We're always eager to talk, and we can talk about, you know, you disagreeing with how great a coach, uh, uh, coach Casto has been at Riverheads. That would be bizarre. Uh, you can we can disagree on what the Steelers. My hope for the Steelers. I I'll acknowledge that that's probably accurate, uh, or anything else you want to do. So you know, interact with us anytime you want. We'll be eager to it. If you have a shiny new toy, we'll talk about that. Yeah. But until next week, when we get some more shiny new toys, we'll be back to talk about sports next week on the Exports Podcast. Hope to hear from you then. You've been listening to Yak Sports, your Augusta County sports podcast.